0: Happy Memorial Day. Day. Let's try that again. (laughs) Happy Memorial Day. Day. I don't want to trivialize that, as Dave says, because we want to honor those that have given their lives for our freedom nationally. And I I loved David's uh, devotion at communion to remind us of the cost that was paid for our sin. And it's kind of interesting. We started this series. Today's the wrap-up end of the I Doubt It series. We started on Easter seven weeks ago. And we're ending it on Memorial Day. And I really didn't correlate this. But, but today I'm going to speak about suffering in relationship. And I think that kind of fits into the Memorial Day. And if you're joining us online and this is your first time with us. We're just wrapping this up. We're glad you're here. If you're drinking your coffee or your cocoa and you've got your slippers on, your dog in your lap, and you're in your lazy boy, I'm picturing you right now. But it's just not as good as being here. Just want you to know that, being in the room. I was looking through my email this last week, this actually came in my email. What causes people with no faith tradition to doubt Christianity? And that's what this series has been all about. And if you'll follow along with me, number, number one was for, at 42% was the hypocrisy of religious people. I just want you to know that non-religious people are hypocrites as well. And I've challenged them on that. And I hope you do as well. Your loved ones and friends, kindly and candidly, respectfully challenge them. Because they're. I mean, there's no one that is completely consistent, per- perfect living the perfect life. Okay, science was another one that causes people with no faith. 31%, we addressed that in our, our message series. 30% human suffering, we're going to talk about that today. Woo-hoo, say amen. Amen. I don't know, okay. 29%, one religion can't have all the answers, we addressed that. And conflict in the world, 24%. I, I think that kind of, overlays with suffering and I don't want to discourage you and I don't want to be a pessimist but listen Jesus said in this life we will have trouble so I just want to warn you that you don't start life with this warning sign like an old cigarette pack that says warning this may be dangerous to your health but living may be dangerous to your health mentally physically, and emotionally. Just living life is a challenge. But Jesus also encourages us and makes us, makes us this promise. Never fear, I have overcome the world. Amen? Okay, so some of you may have asked, I have asked this, why would a loving God allow bad things to happen? Why would a loving God allow that? And we see this in our world all the time. I see it among Christians in our church. I see this with people that aren't Christians. I just see it in the world. And I'm reminded, and I want to remind you, that we serve a savior that died on a cross. And he said, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lima Sabbathani, and that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his suffering, in his pain, Jesus felt alone. Far from God. Perhaps the first time in his life that God moved away from him and he felt that emptiness and that loneliness. And this term cried, and maybe you have been there with the loss of a loved one, with a, a loss in your life. Maybe you cried out too. But this term cried means screamed. And when you put that in the context of a crucifixion, I can understand that. That pain was so great that he literally screamed. Sometimes we we take that for granted, what Jesus did. And many of us can relate to all of this because... We've experienced pain and loss and suffering in our lives or maybe our child or our grandchild or someone close to us, a friend or a neighbor, has suffered and we feel the pain or ourselves. It deeply hurts when you are rejected, but it's even worse when you feel abandoned by God and And we've been there. There's nothing like feeling all alone and wondering where your Heavenly Father is. And whenever people have feelings like this, here's what can transpire. We can end up rejecting God. Haven't you seen that? Life is hard, but God is good. Life gets difficult, And I've seen people chuck their faith, but I also have seen them come back around. And I want to encourage you that we don't guarantee a trouble-free life. We don't say, name it and claim it, and if you follow Jesus, you're going to be rich and prosper. We're going to say that. We are going to say that we are never alone. And let me give you three right responses today when you feel abandoned by God. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you've been there and and suffered through it. And maybe someday, God forbid, you will be there. But number one, today, remind yourself God loves you and is with you. I like the song that we sang for communion today, that we are never, ever alone. The Hebrew writer writes it this way, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you Nor forsake you. That's a promise of God. Now, if you're a believer in Christ, I want to encourage you the Holy Spirit of God resides in you. And I was just reading John 17, where Jesus talks about the the Spirit of God, the Comforter, is there to guide you, to to teach you in, in areas of righteousness and sin and judgment to come. There is a God living inside of you, that Holy Spirit. And then the second part of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. So, so everything Jesus commanded, we are to still observe. And behold, here's what he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. What's funny about this passage, I always, I always smile it's, it's because, and then he left. Jesus physically left. But he didn't really leave because when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit of God. So he's still present. And he said that after he left and the Spirit of God resides in his people, even greater things than what he did on earth would be done. And it's still happening today. The Hebrew writer writes this about Jesus. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He can sympathize with us. And then he goes on to encourage, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We need To pursue that mercy and grace in those trials. And at the same time, we don't just grin and bear it. We just don't ignore it. We need to take our hard questions to God. We need to feel comfortable enough in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. To pour out our hearts. Because God already knows He cares. He loves you. He is near to you, even though you don't feel it. And you've got to remember this, that the the season is a part of your story. It's not your entire story. Maybe you're too young or too old, and, and maybe you've not, well, too old. Maybe you've not experienced a season like that, or a dark night of the soul. But if you have, you've got to realize that, that this is not the whole thing. This is not our whole life. Paul writes it this way, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. When it's all said and done, and we're with God, and we're with Jesus in heaven, we're going to get it. And maybe looking back, retrospectively, sometime in this life, we will get why things happened the way they did and what occurred. And and we might be able to see that, but we may not. But I know that we can't see the whole entire story that God is writing with our lives. Someday we will. We will understand Because all all you see right now is the chapter that you're living in. But we've got to remember, and I want to encourage you, that it's only a chapter of your life. I want to encourage you with that. But, But listen, if it's a difficult chapter, if it's an ugly chapter, if it's a terrible chapter, don't let a chapter of your life define the rest of your life. Have you known people that every time you talk to them, they're very bitter, they're very negative, and all you hear about is this one incident that occurred? It might be related to a church. I've, 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 I've heard sometimes, I've heard the same story about a hundred times. Other times it's a life event that they're not over. I've known preachers that when I've heard them preach, they use the same story in every sermon because they're still dealing with it and they've not reconciled that with the relationship with God. I find that very sad because God gives us the tools to work through things knowing and trusting and having faith in him. Second, turn why God into what God? In this season, in this chapter, in this moment, what God do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to learn? How do you want me to grow? Hebrews writer writes this again. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. We too can learn obedience through what we suffer. The troubles and the trials. And hopefully as we grow older... And we are of a certain age, because of those experiences, we can pass on some of our experience and some of our wisdom to those who follow after us. Because if we don't end up turning our why God questions into what God questions, we can end up finding ourselves questioning God's character, his goodness, his love, and his promises. I was on Facebook this morning. I don't know why. And there was a comment... Well, actually, somebody posted something about Jesus, and, and it was in a positive direction. But one of the comments was, well, Jesus doesn't pay my bills. And I thought, okay, that was pretty negative. It was pretty pessimistic. And, and, and it questioned the character of God right in that moment. Very, very interesting to me. Paul writes again in Second Corinthians 12, 7, he says this, so to keep me from becoming conceited, think about that, for him to not become prideful because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. That, that term conceited is in there twice for a purpose. Now, Paul was, I, I mean, he's got to be my favorite apostle. If, if, if it weren't for Paul, there was a lot that was left out that I love the Gospels. I just want you to know that. But without Paul, there's a lot that would have been left out. When God called Paul, he called him to a ministry. And, and you can look in the book of Acts he, he, he said, God says to him Jesus says to them I have called you to show you how much you have to suffer now I've never prayed for that calling I would not encourage you in fact I've had a friend I had a friend who's a pastor say you know Chris I'm going to pray that God allows me to have trials and to suffer I just smiled at him you know why I said to him, you know, I'm not going to pray that prayer. I said, God's going to give me what I need. But I'm not going to ask him because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking for suffering. I want, I want flat and easy. Don't you? I don't want any trials. I don't want the troubles. But when they come, I know that I am not alone. I know that God is going to give me the grace and the mercy, and he will you as well. But if you're praying a prayer like that, or if you have a spouse, and she's probably watching online right now, probably not feeling good. She's suffering today. But, you know, pray for protection from any spouse or relative that's praying for you for patience. Patience. Because that's just another way to suffer. Do we want patience in our life to grow? Yes. God will provide that for us. Notice, here's what Paul does with this. He says, Paul asked God only three times. Only three times. Now, if I were suffering like Paul was, and I was pers- persecuted and shipwrecked and stoned and on and on and whipped and, all, and beaten and left for dead... I would have been praying daily for God to say, deliver me, take me out of this mess, help me out, God, help me to figure out this, this easier way. But not Paul. He only prays this three times. Because Paul realized that what, what felt like rejection from God was really God trying to do something on the inside of him. God was trying to teach him humility. And I think God still does that today. You know, we think we're in control. We think that we have plans. We think we can do things. And I think God reminds us the only one in control is him. He is sovereign. God might be trying to use that pain to deal with pride or to deal with lust or to deal with lying or to deal with greed or to deal with a blind spot in your life. And and when you run into that same pain and that same suffering and that same situation over and over and over again, maybe you need to listen to figure out what God is trying to tell you. When God is wanting to do something powerful through your life, oftentimes you and I encounter pain. And that's not something that we seek out, that is something that God does inside of us. Hebrews writer again says looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The founder and the perfecter endured the cross. He despised the shame. He didn't want to have to do that. But he did that and he is seated at the throne of God to hear our prayers To give mercy and grace. To be present in our lives. See, God used Paul's throne, or God used Paul's thorn to do something powerful through Paul. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I can't imagine the Bible without Paul's authorship. Can you? He fills in the gaps He was a great theologian, but he lived it, he fleshed it out. He was who he was, and he gave his life in service to the point of death. Your greatest ministry can come from your greatest misery. So if you're going through misery, I want you to know that God has a great ministry for you. Finally, the third point in this message this morning is not only that you're never alone, not not. Not only that God is in the mix of all, that when you can't trace God's hand in where you are, trust God's heart. Also in the crucifixion experience, hear this. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Even though he felt forsaken and abandoned and rejected, he still committed his spirit. To the Father. He turned up his trust and in his, and his heavenly Father and, and his why God moment and it's not easy but he still trusted God. He turned his trust up instead of turning it down. You see what I see so often is when people feel abandoned or rejected their first response is often to lose trust in God. It's a question of faith. And that is when we need to dig in and to have more faith. Paul writes again, he says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. As I was studying these passages this last week, I don't think I've ever amen God in a time of suffering and misery. That's not, that's not kind of what I want to say. So be it, God. I've, I've said things like, uh, what it is is what it is, haven't you? And we're going to deal with this. But to say amen to God in faith, realizing that he is in control and he has a plan and he has a purpose for our suffering, and to say amen to that is what Paul is saying there. And it's not easy always to say amen. Like I said, I don't think I've ever said it before. But when you're going through the trials and struggles, to know that he is there, he is with you, and it's an opportunity to grow in faith and mature in Christ and to let him have his perfect work in your life. And, and I've read this passage before, but I want, I want this to sink in. He said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." In Second Corinthians one twenty, He is present with you, and that is enough. That is enough, isn't it, to know He's with us, to know that He is working all things together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. I've hope you've had. Situations in your life where you look back in retrospect and you think about what happened, and then on the other side of the equation, you can see and it makes sense what God was doing in that moment. It may have been your darkest, deepest, loneliest moment, but you know what He has done since then. Paul writes again to the church in Ephesus He says, this, Now to him who is able to do far abundantly more than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Are you cooperating with the power that is within within you, that Holy Spirit of God, His direction, His insight, His wisdom? Do you hear that still, small voice speaking to you? You should hear Him daily. Maybe you call it your conscience. Maybe you have a feeling. Maybe you have a thought or you were just thinking about that, it's the Spirit of God directing you. Cooperate with that. You can test it against the Word of God, but He lives here inside of you. Paul writes this to the church at Philippi. He says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. He's going to supply what we need. The Lamentation writer writes it this way. He says, "The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And then he says, "Great is your faithfulness." The outstanding, most significant thing, I think about Christianity as a religion is this: that we don't try to do away with suffering, we, we, we don't look at redemption or saving from suffering, but instead we look at the supernatural purpose of suffering that God is working through it and in it for our good. Unlike any other religion in the world, God is working in you. Do you believe it or do you doubt it? Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God, Father, we come to you. And, Father, we don't like suffering and pain. We don't ask for it, don't want it, don't like it. But we get it. We live in a sinful, fallen world. But we know that we're never alone. And I pray that you would increase our faith, Lord, as we go through those chapters, those seasons, those moments. And Father, I pray that we will have a faithful response because we rely on your spirit, your word, the support from your people. And Father, just now as, as we turn toward you, I just pray that you would work in each person's life in this room and online today. That they would hear your voice or your spirit, that they would obey and, and take that next step of faith. If they're feeling abandoned and rejected and alone, Father, I just pray that you'd wrap your arms around them and we as your people might be an answer to that prayer. Father, that we would cooperate with the work you desire for us to do in this chapter of our lives. Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.